Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it is August 20th, 2023. My name is Josh, and I am just another Mike on the Vikes, as you hopefully know by now. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Mike on the Vikes is, has its own page, and then uh, or on Twitter at jlime8, uh, which is the handle you can reach me at. UltimateDriveHome at gmail.com. If you ever want to send a more long-winded piece of feedback, but uh, otherwise, those are the ways you can get in touch with me. And welcome aboard. It is post week two of the preseason for the Vikings. We just had our second game yesterday against the Tennessee Titans, and I'll definitely get into some of that in a little bit. But I just want to apologize in advance for a couple things. One, it's been almost a month since you've heard from me, um, and also, and I haven't written anything recently. Um, had a vacation, finishing the summer with some busyness, get ready for the school year. I am a teacher, if you didn't know, and um, I got a lot of those things to get organized. And now, but now, once the season starts, hopefully the schedule will be a little bit more, you know, consistent going forward. So I apologize for the long space in between content, but I will, I will get myself together at some point. I hope. <laughs> and I also apologize in advance. This is going to be kind of a rambling episode because I'm going to kind of harken back to the week one of the preseason as well as week two, and kind of just, you know, give my opinions on the preseason in general. Because um, for someone who loves football as much as me, the preseason is not easy to watch <laughs> for um, for a variety of reasons. And and I almost wanted to title this episode, I Hate the Preseason. And, um, you know, on one hand, it's exciting because it's football, and guys are fighting to make the team, and, you know, we haven't watched a, a live NFL game in so long, yada, yada, yada. Um but I just find that every year I try to get into the preseason. I really just don't like the preseason. And so here's why. <laughs> um, the main one is I don't like to get attached as a fan to guys that I know are not going to make the team. Um, perfect example for the Vikings this year is a guy that was there last year. And I even wrote about him. Um, I did a post about overreaction saying this guy could could theoretically be a team as a wide receiver. And that's Tristan, Tristan Jackson. Sorry if I said that wrong. Um, Every time I see him in the preseason, he looks uh, very fleet of foot. He looks like he runs his routes well. He makes catches. He makes plays after the catch. Last year, didn't make the team. This year, you know, he's so far down the pecking order because you have Jefferson, who's a lock, Addison, who's a lock, K.J. Osborne, who's a lock, Jalen Rager, who's a lock. That's wide. That's four wide receivers. We brought in Nikhil Harry, who would be number, who's, who's in the mix, and he was already in um, – he wasn't even in pads last night. So that tells me that they've seen enough to, to keep him on roster. You have Jalen Naylor, who they drafted last year. Brandon Powell they brought in, you know, and then even Blake Prohl um, and some other guys that they brought in, like Tristan Jackson. He looks good every time I see him, but he's so far down the list that I, I can't really see him making the team. And so that's one of the reasons I just dislike preseason. I don't like, you know, starting to root for guys, starting to cheer for guys, realizing that they may not make the team. Now, hopefully – you know, in a perfect world, all the guys that I like, you know, get sent to the practice squad, then they get picked up or signed by another team, and then they make it work. Um, but um, that's kind of from as a kid growing up when I used to really watch or try to watch every game. You know, I, it was hard for a younger kid to understand, well, why isn't this guy playing? He did really good in this game. And then you get older and realize the difference between preseason and regular season and how um, how tough it actually is to make an NFL roster um, when you start with 90 and you have to be one of the top 53. So, that's one of the reasons why I hate the preseason. <laughs> I promise it's not just about preseason hate. Um, the dif- dysfunction and lackluster play also bothers me. Um, I just went back and rewatched the first half of the Vikings-Titans game from last night, Saturday night. 
and I, you know, I didn't really even want to watch the second half, and so I didn't. And so you're not going to hear a lot of analysis from the Jaron Hall led Vikings part of part of uh, part of the game. And I just because I just like it's just not it's not as easy to watch. Um, there's a lot of penalties, a lot of just broken plays, dead plays, you know, incomplete passes, missed opportunities, you know, and that's just part of it. But I just it's not it's not as exciting as I as I th- as I think football is usually. Um, if that makes sense. And then of course, the other thing, the big thing I dislike about the preseason is the online community overreacting to everything. And everybody says, don't overreact to preseason. And then everybody overreacts. I do it myself. And I'm not saying I'm, (laughs) I'm not saying I'm pure in all this. I'm just saying that I don't like that part of it because, you know, when you, especially when you're someone that tries to put content out there about a team, you want to prove that you've watched and, and researched and you know your stuff. And so you, you try to overanalyze stuff that happens at the end of the day. It's just not, it's just not as important when you'd factor in all the other outside factors. Like for example, the Vikings didn't look super great against the Titans yesterday. Um, but were any starters playing? Not really. Right. And not to mention on top of that, you have the, t- you're playing the team that you've shared a field with a joint practices for the past two days. And so you've, you have to assume that the coaches are not opening up the playbook playbook to reveal, you know, some of their best stuff. It's, it's still about reps and continuity and, um, and just seeing guys raw ability um, and, and ability to make, make plays at game speed. And so you're not really getting into the nuance of play calling and the nuance of, um, of out, kind of trying to outsmart your opponent. So really it's just old fashioned football with the same team you've seen for three straight days. Um, so yeah, it is going to make a difference in the gameplay. You're going to know what's going to happen. You're going to know how someone works. Um, you're going to know what offensive lineman's moves, and you're going to know what defensive lineman move, lineman's moves. Um, and so, the over overreacting part of preseason is kind of getting old already. And that's why I can't wait for the last game so that we can move on and get into the real stuff. But before I comp- uh, oh, <laughs> speaking of overreactions, I, I've I've kind of compiled a list of ones that I've seen in Facebook groups recently or on Twitter recently. Um, everyone's all about Ty Chandler. Uh, Vikings presumably will be the Vikings backup unless Dwayne McBride, um, the rookie makes, makes, makes another splash and, and takes it from him. You know, there's, there's people out right now that are just loving Ty Chandler's performance and they want him to even be ahead of Madison or something ridiculous like that. And, um, I'm going to get into that in a second because I wrote about uh, what I thought about Ty Chandler after the first preseason game, and um, I liked him. I think he's a good addition to this team, but I'm not ready to crown him, and I'll get into that later. So so that's a, a, an overreaction. Um, then there's people who are calling for Jaron Hall as a bust. They're saying he's done with terrible traffic. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you got to give this guy more than one preseason as a third-string quarterback. He's not getting any game field game time. Um, this year anyway, and you just never know. It's way too early to tell on any draft pick, even ones that are, are really just com- completely tanking. But that's what we love to do with the preseason. Guy makes a few plays. It's the best draft pick of all time. Guy can't even get into the right formation. He's a bust already. No, we need to take some time. Um, my least favorite one is people are calling for Lewis Seen already. They're saying he's, he's a bust. Um, and that really bothers me because, again, we didn't see nearly any of him last year. And so this year is effectively his rookie year. And yeah, he hasn't looked perfect in, uh, in the preseason and he hasn't looked perfect uh, even in the games where he's done a lot of good things. But the fact of the matter is he makes really big plays at times as well. And so, and I think that's like, 
I think as Vikings fans, we're kind of starved for competent defense that we want to go from how bad we were last year. We want Brian Flores to come in and make us perfect. And that's just not to me the case. We are not going to go back to, uh, we don't have, I don't know if we have the roster and even the floor, the really good Flores defenses. It's not like they weren't ever burned. It's not like they weren't ever exploited. Um, what we want to do is keep offenses guessing. We want to make plays and we want to have a, a defense that's got a backbone and instill some fear. And I think that's for sure what we'll do. And even if we just do those things, I think we'll, we'll regress positively back to the mean of, of NFL defenses. Um, but that being said, I know Lewis Seen's going to get burned a lot. He might give up a touchdown week one, and I'm, God, I can't, I, just can't, I can see all the posts now, whatever, just saying bench him, trade him, whatever. Um, but what I like about Lewis Seen is he's flying around. Every time he hits a guy, it's hard. He's a, he's a presence. He makes plays. He had a really nice open field tackle um, in the Tennessee game. You know, and then he had one where Ty J Spears leapt over him, and the he was trying to, as he was trying to plug up the hole, and it was a thirty-three yard touchdown run. So that that like that stuff's going to happen. But I think once Lewisine is playing alongside all of the defensive starters with the full complement of the defensive playbook, I think we're going to see him really rise to the occasion. And will he make mistakes? Of course, but I think he'll be a net positive, and that's that's what we're looking for on this defense. If our offense is as good as we all hope and think it can be then our defense just needs to be a net positive and boom, you know, we're, we're winning the division again and, and we're a threat in the playoffs. So I don't want anyone to rule out Lucene and Andrew Booth for that matter. Still need to see more from those guys in actual game, game time, um, an actual meaningful game play, game time play. What am I trying to say? What, you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> before we write out, write off those guys. Um, but speaking of our offense, the offensive line has been, Terrible, and that's one of my other favorite overreactions. For but that, wait a second, that's not an overreaction, is it? Isn't it? This is where it'd be nice to have a co-host or someone to, to bounce that off of. That could have set that terrible joke up much better. Um, the offensive line being terrible, everyone's also raging about that, and I don't think that's an overreaction. Um, uh, but I'm going to talk about that more in depth later. So I'm, I'm going to leave that as a little bit of a tease. The O line is actually bad? Question um, mark. It's not bad, but it's it's not great. We'll get into that in a second. So um, the last thing I'll say about the preseason in general, and then I'll kind of get into what I was writing about the first game, first preseason game, and kind of uh, segue that into into last night's game, is that uh, I respect every player going out there and give it their all. I mean, I see, I love seeing guys who may not make the team busting their ass, making a great play, celebrating it like it means everything. Um, I have a ton of respect for players like that. And I'm not saying it requires some Herculean effort. I mean, these guys get to play football potentially for a living, and I try my hardest when I'm playing pickup basketball against my friends. Still, give me like, no one's watching those games in the driveway. At least when I was a kid, and I still played. I played as as hard as I could to try to win um, and try to be competitive. It's a pride thing, right? Um, but I just like putting it out there. I do respect all those guys out there trying to play, um, or play, giving it their all and playing to try to make the team and just playing because it's important. Football is a game of integrity, as I like to say, and um, yeah, I respect anyone who's giving their best effort, but uh, between whistles, like that's just that's just something that I'll always respect. So I respect all those guys, and I, I really hope that um, everyone gets into the right situation. Even though I know a lot of them aren't going to be on this team, um, unfortunately. So, all right. So enough about that. I didn't want to actually 
spend the whole episode talking about how much I hate the preseason. So now I got that off my chest. Let's get into, you know, things that you might actually say are my versions of those overreactions I dislike. These are things that I'm getting as takeaways that you might say I'm doing the same thing I just scolded. Remember, I'm not I'm not removing myself from the people that overreact. I'm not saying that I never overreact. Um, I'm just saying I don't like it because it feels like everything's an overreaction because we have so little samples, such a little sample size to analyze, especially when you factor in that starters aren't on the field, playbooks aren't used fully, and everyone's just kind of rusty to a certain extent um, after the offseason trying to get back at back up to game speed. Excuse me. So anyway, um, I'm not going to go through the whole post, but if you want to, I did a preseason likes and dislikes article for the Vikes Seahawks, and I'm going to briefly mention that here and then kind of talk a little bit about the Vikes Titans game. I'm not going to do a written post on that one. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about, I mean, first we should probably shout out that toe drag catch by Jordan Addison that should have been challenged, but it wasn't because it's the preseason. That was an insane toe dragged catch. Um, if you haven't seen it, just, just, uh, go to, uh, go to Twitter and search for Jordan Addison's toe drag catch. It was like the perfect, like, I don't know, last possible realistic way to make it, to keep the toes in one of those ones where you're like, how is that even possible? You know, we see professional receivers do similar catches all the time, but sometimes you see one and you still, and it baffles your mind that it, that one was possible, if that makes sense. And so, um, you know, Jordan Addison has done nothing but confirm that we have a, like a bona fide playmaker on our team as a rookie. Um, and he'll probably start as wide receiver three, uh, maybe more out of the slot, uh, you know, as KJ Os- Osborne has more rapport, more experience with Cousins. But but before long, you'll see Addison making, getting a lot of targets and making a ton of plays for this offense um, to keep, keep some pressure off of JJ, at least in my opinion. But the main thing I want to focus on from the offensive side of the ball, well, actually two things, but offensive line's coming. <laughs> for Especially from week one was Ty Chandler. Um, I mentioned that people are – lauding him as this great new running back because he's looked really good in the preseason. And he has to some extent. He's looked spry. He's looked quick. He's looked powerful. He does not get pushed back when he makes contact on a run. And I love that. He falls forward. He runs with power. He runs with speed. Um, but I, I haven't seen him show any sort of shiftiness, elusiveness, or um, dare I say a lack of vision. And again, I'm not a professional running back. I'm not going to say that my analysis is the end-all be-all. If coaches see something different, then uh, by all means. But when I watch him run, I see him hit a hole with a lot of power, a lot of speed, and always go forward, and I think that's a valuable asset to have on the team. But what I don't see him have is the ability to, A, make guys miss as much as even like a Dwayne McBride, who's shown a little bit more shiftiness in, in limited time uh, playing time as well. And there were a couple times, especially in the week one game in Seahawks, where I felt that Ty Chandler had the speed to bounce outside, you know, and turn a, a tough three, four yard gain into a seven, eight, nine yard gain. And and, and those, those, that small amount of yard, yardage makes such a huge difference. Um, second and short really opens up the playbook, playbook for taking a shot, especially when you have the passing attack that our offense does, you know. But if you get into second and seven, you're kind of torn, I feel like. You have to you don't want to be a third and seven all the time. And so sometimes you might take another run to get, try to get a couple more yards, get the third and manageable. And so I don't want to, I'm not going to over, I feels like an overreaction, right? But you know, there's something to be said for a really positive first down run. And obviously you're not going to get eight, eight yards every, every run on first down. 
I'm just saying there were a couple times where they could have been that, um, I thought, based on what I could see. Um, and so I don't know if that's Chandler's vision. It looked like that to me, um, but it might have just been not really possible anyway. So I, I guess I'm just saying I'm kind of pumping the brakes on Ty Chandler in that regard because everyone I talk to loves what they saw. And to be fair, I really he does excite me when I see him run because he's if you give him get him an open space, he's gone. Like he's he's got the speed, he's got the the power, he's got the north south running ability where he's not going to lose you yards ever by dancing around. But I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more movement from him, a little bit more, you know, maybe an extra cut here and there, um, and maybe just like a, you know, like a repositioning of his body to some extent to not get hit as strongly when he hits that first contact. And again, that's super nitpicky, but I think that is kind of something that separates, you know, an RB2 or a uh, third down running back from, you know, the bell cow running backs so or the running backs that are going to get 15 to 20 carries a game. You know, those guys for whatever reason, yeah, there's a lot of strong, fast guys that pay, play running back, you know, and maybe maybe this is a moot point because the NFL doesn't want to pay running backs anyway, as, we, as we've learned this offseason. But I have to think there's something that separates an elite running back or a top-tier starting running back from a non-starting running back, and that's what all of this is to say. Ty Chandler should be our RB2 right now, and I am fully on board with having him as our RB2. But I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to say that based on some nice preseason runs through pretty open holes, by the way, that the offensive line made an offensive line that hasn't done much well this <laughs> this preseason. But our offensive line, our second string guys, have created some nice running lanes, and you know, I think a lot of guys can hit a running lane and finish a run strong. And so I'm not ready to to put him into starting starting running back caliber. Um, that's kind of what all this is to say because. You know, I put it as my one of my preseason dislikes from week one, you know, and every time someone says it to me in person, I go, well, I'm not super. And they're like, what? How could you say that? He was great. Um, so it's, I think it's kind of an unpopular opinion. I'm not trying to rag on Ty Chandler. I'm, I think he'll be a nice, contribu- a nice contributor on our team. But there's a reason why we're still looking at running backs. We brought in another one for the Tennessee game, Aaron Dykes. Um, I think we kicked the tires on Kareem Hunt like we – the team is the organization is still looking for another running back, which is pretty telling in the in the sense that you've had this running back that's looked good, but you're still saying that's not enough. Um, so what I don't know what that that says more about Madison, but I mean Madison's not getting any run; they're preserving him for the regular season. So I don't know. I just think that we need to lower our our bar of expectations for Chandler going into the season. He's going to be a really good backup running back. I think he'll do really good in spurts, but I think if Madison goes down for eight weeks for whatever reason, you know, I think that's going to be a significant drop off. Um, again, that's just based on my own personal, what I've seen. Um, but, and then the other thing I should say, I haven't mentioned Ty Chandler's receiving ability. Cause that's where I do think he's, he's going to be a big net positive for this offense is if you get him out in the open where he doesn't have to make a ton of guys miss right away. He's a really good catcher of the ball. He's really good at turning, um, you know, getting his vision forward, and then it's north-south the whole way. And that's a really valuable guy to have on the team. Um, and he's got the speed to outrun people. So if you get him on a route where he's got a couple steps on a guy, I mean, that's a 20, 30-yard gain right there. And I think that's where we'll see him make the most of his impact as well this year um, is out of the passing game. And so, again, I'm not trying to say he should get cut by any means. I'm just saying, you know, He's looked good at times, but let's let's not call him an elite runner yet. We got to see him do it in the regular season, and I think we got to see a little bit more from a vision standpoint as well. So, so that's kind of that's like the main thing from 
from week one specifically in preseason that I wanted to talk about because I, I, I you know, I could sense the overreaction reaction hype tra- hype train to Ty Chandler being, you know, this next great thing. And while I like him, let's just remember that there's a reason he's playing with the twos. Um, and he's been here for is a second year now. Um, can he contribute? Will he contribute? Yeah, but I don't, let's not get crazy and try to make him our starter. Let's not, let's not go that far. If that makes sense. Um, the other thing I disliked from preseason week one is something that carried over into preseason week two. And so we're going to spend a lot of time on this and I'm going to shout out my guy, Simon short, Simon short podcast and the stat sheet podcast. Um, and I don't officially endorse those, but I do listen to them. They're very good. And my guy, Simon's all about offensive lines and he's the resident expert. Um, and unfortunately <laughs> I don't know if it's an overreaction that the offensive line is a terrible in week one and week two. And l- let me, add a caveat there. Again, I know these aren't our starters. These are not our week one starters. Darisaw is one of the best tackles in the game. I love Brian O'Neill on the right side as tackles. And so, and Ezra Cleveland is, is, is very, very fine. So we have three out of the five that I think we can feel good about, but that's three out of the five starters, which doesn't speak well. If the two other starters have question marks and then through preseason, you see your twos, your backups, just completely imploding on a day on a play-by-play basis and that I don't think is an overreaction because it's not like it's just happening one time um you know as I went back and watched the first half of the Vikings Titans game I looked at at least the Vikings offensive series for pretty much most of the first and second quarter unless I missed it I might have missed something here and there but we were running out um Alan Ali Austin Schlotman and um Was it Ed? Was it Ed Ingram? Oh no, I'm sorry. Alan Ali, Austin Schlotman, and Blake Brandle. I knew I knew I was messing that up there because uh, Brandle's listed as a tackle, but he was getting a lot of run at right guard. I think they um, were trying him out there probably because we need some interior help. And so we look at those three guys. Uh, Schlotman was at center. Ali was at left guard. Blake Brandle was at Blake Brandle. Sorry, was at right guard for basically the whole first half against the Titans, unless I unless I missed uh, a sub out here and there. And my goodness, the amount of times on dropback passes that Nick Mullins, our second string quarterback that played, had a had a hand in his face very very quickly was alarming. Um, you know, we're not going to they weren't going up against the Titans number ones at that point. At least I don't think so. I suppose I could go back and double check, but I can't imagine they were. And you know, the, the amount of interior pressure was really scary. And I'm not just counting those screen plays where they let that pressure in so they can get those guys out to block ahead of the uh, ahead of the back. It was on drop back passes, third and longs. There are a couple times where Mullins gets hammered and it completely adjusts the flight of the ball. And that wasn't the first time that happened. It happened in the preseason, the first week, uh, the work week one of preseason against the Seahawks, the same thing. And that game had Ed Ingram in it. Um, who's presumably going to be our one of our starting guards. So you have two games now where our depth at the interior of the offensive line, maybe not our starters, but the depth has been completely blown up in two straight preseason games and not just on a couple plays here and there, and then they're fine. It's, it's literally, I feel like it's the majority of plays is, is going wrong. And so that's why this feels like a, a drastic overreaction because you're thinking to yourself, well, how is Kirk ever going to get a pass off? It's over. Well, no. These are the backups. Um, it's not the full playbook. It's those those sorts of nuance to take into account that it's preseason. 
But the fact that those three guys in this game and then those three guys plus our starter at Ingram in the first game, you know, couldn't develop a good, consistent, you know, pass blocking pocket, you know, just the basics of pass blocking, it's, it's very worrisome. And I think going forward, um, you know, when the season starts, I think when we get our starters in there, I think it'll look a lot better. But the first sign of injury to an Ezra Cleveland or a Garrett Bradbury, who's not even an elite guy um, at the moment at all anyway, he's he's got his own problems. I like Garrett Bradbury. I think he's he's generally a good center, um, but good is where it stops. He's not like a he's not a top level center. He's not um, he, he's not going to win every single rep he faces, and so. If that's your starting interior with him and Ingram, who's a question mark, and Ezra Cleveland, who's 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 pretty middle of the road, um, you're in a lot of trouble. If if any one of those guys has to miss a game or two, or even a series or two in a close game, like it's just it's very alarming. Um, and I wouldn't be so hurt about it if 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 again we didn't still see that Dalton Risner is still out there as a free agent. Um, I tried to look up other free agents, and there's there's plenty of guys, um, not necessarily names that I can say would be perfect right off the top of my head but um if you look at on spock track i'm not even going to read them but if there's a lot of names that I at least recognize <laughs> you know as guys who i know have played and so to, to me to me it seems like we should be bringing in as many as we can while we have time to get them accustomed and just 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 in case at least just from a depth standpoint um and, and maybe that's why they haven't signed anybody maybe maybe the guys are going to and they're saying hey we need you as a depth piece. This is what we can offer you. And maybe that's just not enough for, for some of these guys yet. And, and, and sure, that could be it. But I just, I, I'm i really worried we're not doing enough to address that line. Um, and even going back to the draft, I mean, if you if you look where we took Makai Blackman, who, by the way, I'm excited about. He's a corner. I wanted the Vikings to get a corner in this draft. Um, but where we took him, the end of round three, um, if you look just in the first half of round four, are two guards that I really liked coming into this in this draft class. There's Chandler Zavala from NC State, Braden Daniels from Utah. Um, they went in the first half, went within the first half of the picks of the fourth round, and those guys looked like they fit the profile of of good, decent, quality uh, offensive linemen at the NFL level. Maybe not Hall of Fame level or anything like that, but guys that um, could have made an impact and potentially could have. Um, won a starting job for us, uh, given given the nature of our interior, of our offensive line, and so not seeing the Vikings make make some of these moves, um, or at least efforts to make these moves, um, you know, t- to the extent that I know. Again, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, so I could be all wrong, but it's just a little bit nerve wracking, um, you know, because when the season starts again. I think we'll be fine with the starters. We have Darisaw, Cleveland, Bradbury, Ingram, and O'Neal. Ingram's really the only complete liability there. Bradbury's kind of hit or miss. But the tackle spot's filled in. We brought in Josh Oliver, who's going to help block a lot. He's had some really nice preseason reps. He's proven that um, he's probably going to be worth the, the 21 mil we gave him over three years. Um, but again, if you, if we suffer one injury, um, the, the, the strength of this team is going to be in our offensive production. We all know that. It's going to be the passing attack. It's going to be Justin Jefferson. Um, it's going to be KJ Osborne, and then it's going to be hopefully Addison just demanding more targets because he's so great, and we're not even going to know who to throw to. We'll have so many weapons. Like that's the uh, strength of this team. All that goes away if our immobile quarterback, like we have, Kirk is not a mobile guy. I love him. He's not a mobile guy, um, and all of that passing attack goes away if we don't have if he doesn't have any time to throw. Um, we've seen our 
the games we lose, the games we get that are close that we struggle in, and the dry the games where we have those three and out. Um, I call them three and out streaks because our offense will be clicking, and then all of a sudden we'll just go on a three and out streak of like three or four drives in a row with, with having to punt. Um, and you know, a little bit earlier in the offseason, I wrote a post about how our running game needs to be more consistent. That's part of the problem, but another part of the problem is just our pass blocking and giving up so much interior pressure um, just puts so much pressure, sorry, poor choice of words there, on our outside guys to not let like the elite edge rushers leagues a league get home. And so I'm just very worried about that. And so um, I, don't, I don't know where to go from there. I just thought it was funny that I was trying to come up with how I think people have been overreacting to the preseason. <laughs> and what happened was I came up with one that's not an overreaction. I think the O-line is in trouble, at least from a depth standpoint. And so, um, again, we'll have to wait and see, but but I really hope that it's I, – I really wish or hope that we do something else um, as, the, as the preseason comes to a close. So I apologize for that rant. It kind of came across as a rant. <laughs> I didn't really have segments for this episode. It was more like – things that were on my mind about the preseason. That might be what I title it. Things that are on Josh's mind. So hopefully you care enough and you're still listening. I really appreciate that. Um, last few thoughts, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap this one up early. I don't think we need to uh, uh, linger too much longer. Um, I still think this Vikings team is a playoff team. And I mean, I've been watching a lot of, videos about team previews and the end of, and who, what people think are teams floors and ceilings and things like that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very nitpicky right now of the preseason because I'm one of those preseason overreactors, like we mentioned, but I do think this team is a playoff team. I think it's going to be a division battle between us and Detroit. Um, I think, I think in my season predictions, if you go back and read one of my, uh, one of my earlier posts in the off season, I predicted the Vikings go 11 and six and then the Lions go 11 and six, but the Vikings to somehow eke out the division title on tiebreaker. And I think that, you know, from a record standpoint, that's worse than last year. But I I do think we're one of those teams that's, I think the Vikings will get better overall this year, but their record isn't going to show it. Whether that's maybe we lose one of those close games that we were perfect in 11 and 0 in last year, right? That was a pretty absurd stat. And I can look at it objectively. Last year, if you had told me the Vikings were lucky or fortunate and things like that, I said a lot of, well, it's a team of destiny. Well, good teams win close games. <laughs> it's like I wasn't willing to accept those sorts of things. And, you know, looking back with this, you know, the obvious, the point differential, having a negative point differential and going 13-4 and four is, is, is pretty wild. Um, but, it, you know, that's why you play the games. We won those games. We earned those wins. But I do think there might have been a little bit of fortune on our side, and so that when I when I think about this upcoming season, I think an 11-6 team that's better um, actually gets me more excited because I think we'll lose some close games. Maybe we have to play the AFC West this year, um, and we got a Week 2 matchup against Philly. So the Chiefs and the Eagles, it's going to be two really tough games there. We have the Bengals this year. Like it's We're going to play the cream of the crop. And so I think if we come out of it as a division winner again, 11-6, and six, I think we'll be battle-tested, and then... As I love to say about the playoffs, once you're in there, it doesn't matter. Everything starts over. It could be anyone. It could be anyone's chance to get to the Super Bowl. So, um, and if you're like me, you think that you think that we can win every year. So definitely, this year is a possibility. Um, there's one other thing I want to talk about. And again, apologize for the rambling because I, 
I just found it in my notes that are also a little bit all over the place. Um, the other overreaction, and I don't say it because it's an overreaction, I say it's a realistic kind of overreaction, is if you haven't heard about the Vikings tight end Nick Muse by now, then maybe you're not listening to this as a pure Vikings fan. Maybe you're listening to this as a just a football fan. Um, or you're a Vikings fan that just waits for the regular season because of all the reasons that I said earlier about why the preseason kind of stinks. <laughs> um, but we have this tight end, Nick Muse, who is really tearing it up. He's got a touchdown pass. He's made some really nice blocks. You know, it's his second year in the league. He's only 24 years old. He's 6'5", 250. He's a behemoth of a dude. And he's made some really nice plays. And and right now, even I, who, who knows that, you know, some players that look great still get cut. I'm still looking at him like, how do you cut this guy at this point? And I think what I was going to do, I was going to mention him when I mentioned Trish, Trish Tin Jackson up at the front. I forgot to write Nick Muse's name down, so sorry. A little on-air, on-air flub by me. But I still, I'm glad I remembered, so I give him a shout-out here at the end because I do think Nick Muse should make the team. But the problem is he's tight end four right now, tight end four, because you have TJ Hawkinson who obviously will take the starting role, and we need him to. Josh Oliver, who we paid to bring into block, and given our offensive line issues and the fact that Josh Oliver is is a very good tight end, he's obviously number two. Johnny Munt is our tight end three. You know, and he's one of those guys that just, he's been with Kevin O'Connell for a long time. He knows how it works. He'll show up here and there with a nice touchdown grab, and he knows all the plays well. He's just one of those guys that's always in the right spot, and you need guys like that. I love Johnny Munt. Um, he needs to be on the team. But after that, it's Nick Muse, Colin Thompson, Ben Sims. And I do think Nick Muse has a leg up on those other two guys. Um, but I'm just saying, like, there, there's there's a world in which he doesn't make the team as, you know, as the fourth tight end. Um, I think he will as a fourth tight end. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe we do decide to address the offensive line. We have to keep extras because our offensive line is so sketchy. Um and so I'm just trying to like mentally prepare myself and, 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 and another thing, another time to give a guy a shout out, Nick Muse, because he has done everything in his power to make the team by all accounts, he should make the team. And then unfortunately, if we don't put him on the squad, he's he'll for sure get picked up this year. Um, you know, he's not, I guess he can't really say, I don't, I don't have enough knowledge of all the other tight end rooms, like beyond the top tight ends of other teams in the league. But my guess is he's one of the better tight end fours, right? And could probably uh, find us find a spot on a on a on a roster somewhere that's not a practice squad. So wanted to give him a little shout out, um, you know. Or maybe we just leave him in and we just run twelve personnel all the time and we cycle through our tight ends to help our terrible offensive line. Because even the more experienced guys like Oliudo is still fighting for a roster spot. He's five years into the league, and he had a terrible time at right tackle against the, t- the Titans. Um, the, the the plays that we had, that Mullins had time in the pocket and completed passes, there seemed to be flags on Udo for holding. Like, it just was so bad. And I, you know, after five years, maybe it's time. I don't know if he's going to figure, I don't know if he's going to make that next step, um, if you will. So, um so, so maybe we cut one of those offensive linemen that we know is, is a liability and then and make sure we get Nick Muse on the team. But um, whatever happens, I just I feel like I need to put it out there and say Nick Muse should be on the team, at least in my opinion. Um, but I know that even guys that have seemingly earned it, um, 
you just never know with how many cuts these teams have to make to get uh, to get down to 53. So anyway, with that, uh, the Vikings do have one more preseason game. It's against the Arizona Cardinals next Saturday. I'm hoping I get to go to that game. Um, I think as of now, the plan is to make it out there. So hopefully uh, get a little bit of the atmosphere, get a little bit excited for week one. Um, and, uh, and then finally for the preseason to be over so we can focus on real football, right? can't wait but anyway if you made it this far appreciate um you listening in thanks for for for, for hitting play on on my podcast and again um at jlime8 on twitter if you want to get in touch um mikeonthevikes.com is the website where i do some written work and then um, there's also a facebook page by the same name if you want to reach out that way so get involved um i'm a sounding board if you want to vent about the vikes or if you like to argue um I am very good at arguing about football opinions and still maintaining friendships. So (laughs) Uh, don't hesitate to reach out. If not, um, my name is Josh. This has just been another Mike on the Vikes talking about preseason Vikings football, and it's almost time for the regular season. Skull to the bowl. Have a nice night.